Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's so wonderful to see you and be here together to worship and study and fellowship together. Thank you uh, for those who have been serving uh, and leading worship this morning and teaching. And uh, I certainly appreciate Kenley preaching last Sunday morning and Michael last Sunday evening. You know, it's good to hear from uh, Kenley, our youth minister, from time to time and, and uh, at any time, but on a Sunday morning as well. And that that's usually when most folks are here and visitors, and, and so uh, it's always good to hear from uh, Kinley. And then we rotate uh, several of our men through as they, as they volunteer to preach uh, once a month on typically the second Sunday. Sometimes we switch that around a little bit, but that's very meaningful and helpful to develop those men, let us hear from them, different ages and perspectives, but always solid and sound in God's Word. What did you want to be when you grew up? Do you remember some of those things you wanted to be? Uh, probably that changed over time, didn't it? Uh, you know, when you were real little, you, you probably wanted to be a, maybe a superhero or, a, you know, a cowboy or, you know, who knows what. And as you grew up, that kind of changed. Fortunately for me, that changed as I grew up because I remember being really little and seeing a segment on Sesame Street, you know, the old Sesame Street, where they talked about what a cow dog was. And a cow dog helped herd cattle. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And I decided that's what I want to be when I grow up is a cow dog. I thought, man, what is better than that? Just chase cows all day. That would be incredible. You know, when you say that out loud, it sounds a little crazier than it does in your little, your little kid head at the time. But I just thought that was neat. And then I, I remember seeing another segment on Sesame Street, and uh, it was about a tree surgeon. And they showed how this guy gets to climb trees and cut limbs off and, and kind of do doctor stuff on a tree. And I thought, man, that's, uh, you know, I realized at that point being a cow dog didn't make much sense for a human. And, and, and then I thought, that would be cool. You get to climb trees and use a chainsaw and, and that kind of thing for a job. How awesome would that be? You know, and as you grow up, you start thinking about different things. And as we grow up, we start thinking about what do I want to do with my life? And we want what we do with our life to make a difference, right? We want it to be meaningful. We want to make an impact in the world in some way in our life. At the end of our life, we want to know, did my life matter? Did it make a difference to anybody or anything? And so we start thinking about whether it be a job along those lines or maybe we do that through our, our service, our volunteer service, our community service, uh, through our work in the church, uh, certainly through our families. We think, I want what I do, and what, what I, whether that's voluntary or a job, I want it to make a difference for people. I want it to be meaningful, to make an impact. And we all feel that inner sense of of wanting to have that kind of meaning, lasting meaning in our lives. You know, when you become a teenager, you're really searching for who am I and what am I here for? And that's a part of the process is to figure out how you're going to give your life to Christ in service. And so that's what I want us to talk about today is that service is the way 
Christians make a difference in this world. And we're going to see that in our scripture today, Ephesians 2.10. That it is through service that we make that difference. That God uses us to make that impact. And it doesn't matter if it's on your job. And you might think, well, my job is not the, the, the thing I want to be doing. It's just a job. But, but you can make a difference in that way. And maybe it's through your community service, through volunteering in some way, through service in the church, through service in your neighborhood, through the work that you do in your family, in your home, that that's where you're making the true spiritual impact. But So I don't want you to limit yourself to, well, I don't have the, the perfect this and the perfect that and, and everything lined up in the most ideal way. Well, who does? I don't know that anybody does. And so we've got to be willing to be uh, servants of God in whatever our situation is. So look, look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For, God, for uh, God's word says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. One short sentence, but Paul, through God's inspiration and leading, packs a whole lot in this one verse. And of course, there's a bigger context here that Paul is writing at, uh, about, but we want to zero in on verse number 10. I think that it's really interesting that the Bible tells us that we are God's workmanship. That's an interesting thing to say. That word only appears twice in the New Testament, workmanship. And so I think Paul is definitely communicating something to us here to say that we are his workmanship, God's workmanship. And so first I think we need to ask, well, who's he writing to? Who's he talking to? Well, if we go to chapter 1, verse 1, where Paul opens up this letter, he writes, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in... Christ Jesus. So he is writing to the church. He is writing to people who are already Christians. Okay? So he's reminding them of some things, continuing to teach them some things. They have already put on Christ in baptism. They're already Christians. That's who he's writing to. And, in, and he's writing to this, these Christians saying that you Christians are God's workmanship. That God makes Christians out of people who turn their lives to Jesus. This workmanship word, as I said, is only used twice in the New Testament. The other time it's used is in Romans 1.20. And Paul wrote that letter also. And Paul is talking about God and creating everything. And in verse 20 he writes, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation, that's not it, that's creation, ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. That's the word workmanship. So they are without excuse. Paul is saying to to people that all people are without excuse to believe that there is a God who exists, creator God who made everything you see, who made the world and the universe. 
And because all you have to do is look up at the stars and look at the trees and look at the bird and look at the the kitten and the, the new calves and colts that we see in the pastures, all you have to do is look at creation and you're without excuse to say, there is a God who made all this. And so what we learn from there is that creation is God's workmanship. Do you see that? What God made in creation, the universe, the world, everything we see, what He made is His workmanship. Okay? And so Paul is saying that this is evident. So here's what we are to understand, that what He has made is His creation, and His creation is the workmanship of God. What you, the pictures you see here on the screen are uh, Kaylin Stripling's chair that she made out of wood in Wes's workshop and Jacob Stripling's workbench that he made out of wood in Wes's workshop. And those are a human example of workmanship. They made those and what did they make? What they made was is the workmanship of their hands, a chair and a workbench. Does that make sense? They crafted these. They, they formed these. They built these. They put these together. They planned them and designed them. And, and I'm sure they did every single bit of it all by themselves, aren't you? <laughs> Wes just stood there as the manager, right, making sure they did it right, giving guidance. But they did a wonderful job. These are beautiful pieces that they did. Now, it's a human example. It it falls short of God because Kalen and Jacob didn't make the wood, did they? They didn't make the screws and the nails or any other materials used. But God, He made everything out of nothing. And that's His workmanship, what He made in creation. And so Paul is saying that in a spiritual way, when we get, when you get to talking about Christians in the context of Ephesians 2.10, that Christians are what God makes. Does that make sense? So workmanship is the thing that is made by the Creator. It is the work itself. And God the Creator creates, and what He creates is His workmanship. So we're seeing two different things here. In Romans 1.20, we're seeing that God's workmanship is creation that we see with our eyes. The universe, the galaxy, the solar system, our planet, and all that is in it. And that is what God created. He spoke and it became to, into existence. And that what He created is His workmanship. And then in Ephesians 2.10, this is the only two times this word is used... In the New Testament, in Ephesians 2.10, we see the same word workmanship, and we also see the word created. But we see it not in God created animals in the sky and the water and the mountains and all of these things. We see that what God creates is Christians, and Christians are His workmanship. So our next question ought to be, well, how are we God's workmanship? How are Christians... God's workmanship. And Paul says it's because we're created in Christ Jesus. There's the word created. We're created in Christ Jesus. So God makes us Christians when we are created in Christ Jesus. This word create means to shape, to form, to make. And in the Bible it always is referring to what God is doing. 
It never refers to something somebody else did. We, we say Kalen and Jacob created those nice pieces of, of, of furniture that they made. But in reality, the word, biblically speaking, the word create would mean that they created all the materials and the trees and everything that went into ultimately making these, uh, these pieces. But that's a human example so that we can understand it. But what God creates out of nothing in Ephesians 2.10, uh, we see, is Christians for those who are in Christ. Now, here's some other passages that help us understand this. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, I want you to remember, Paul loves that phrase, in Christ. He says it a lot. If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. You're something new. This is something new that God has done that didn't exist before. When you're in Christ, you're a new creation. So, how do I get in Christ? Galatians 3.27, Paul says, we're baptized in Christ. For as many as, as of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's how you get into or in Christ is you're baptized into him. Now, the, this is a really important question. This is a fundamental salvation question that you have to ask of anyone teaching anything of the Bible, of any church, is how do you answer the question, how does God save us? That's a critical, vital question. How does God save us? And the answer to that question tells you everything you need to know. How does a church answer that question? Different churches answer that question differently. Unfortunately, and so the only way to know the answer to that question is to go to God's Word and see what His answer is. And that's exactly what we've just been looking at. How does God save us? That's what we've been reading. But look at Romans 6, 3 through 4. See, you may move away. You may go off to college and need to find a church home. You may be re relocated for a job. Uh, you may be recommending uh, trying to help somebody find a church home. And you need to... First and foremost, be thinking about how do they answer the question, what must I do to be saved? Because they can do a lot of other things and a lot of good things, a lot of great things, and they can be right on other things. But if you get that wrong, where does that leave you on judgment day? Where does that leave you standing when you stand before God? When you don't answer the question correctly, how am I to be saved? How does God save us? You see, that's vital to your eternal life. So look at Romans 6, 3 through 4. Paul said it like this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. That's that new creation. The old King James says new creature, meaning you're a totally new thing. You're totally new, altogether new, because that's what Jesus does. That's what God does through Christ when you become a Christian. He creates 
a new person. And that Christian is his workmanship. So God makes Christians, when people put their faith in Jesus, repent of their sins, confess him as their Lord and Savior, and, and they, they then are baptized, they were, go down under into the water of baptism. And in that moment, then they are united with Christ in baptism. They're, they put on Christ in baptism. They're clothed with Christ in baptism. Their sins are washed away, Acts 2.38, and they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They are made new, and they are raised out of that water to walk in newness of life. And that is God's workmanship. That's what He makes. Does that make sense? So when God created the world, this is really interesting to me. When God created the world, who was there with Him? Paul tells us Jesus was there with Him. Look at Colossians 1.16. See, we are created in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.16, Paul tells us, For by Him, meaning Jesus... All things were created, and then go to the end of the verse, all things were created through him and for him. Jesus was there at the beginning, at the very beginning, when nothing was except God and Jesus, and they created what everything we know today. Jesus was there, and he was involved in the process of creation. And then we see that Jesus is also critically involved in the process of the creation of Christians, which is God's workmanship. Do you see that? I think that's amazing to see that Jesus has been there from the beginning, and he's always there when God creates, whether it was this world or whether it was a Christian, the workmanship of God. So now I want to ask, why does God create us in Christ Jesus? Why does he do that? Why does he create Christians in Christ Jesus? Why are Christians God's workmanship? And we would say, of course, because of salvation. We're going to talk about that tonight, the word justification. We're doing our series on one word, and, and we're going to, we look at every Sunday night a different word in Scripture. And tonight we're looking at justification, and that, that, that gets into, that is what this is talking about. But why did God do it? And certainly it is to save us so that we can have an eternal life with Him in heaven instead of being condemned and away from Him and, and living eternally in being lost in hell. But, but it's more than that too. It, it encompasses more. It means more than that. And I want us to understand that from Ephesians 2.10. So salvation, as Paul is telling us here, includes more than just the fact you have eternal life. He also is saying that you are saved to serve. That's what he's telling us in Ephesians 2.10. You are saved to serve. Yes, you're saved, but you're also saved to serve others to do the works of God. See, God made you, He formed you, He crafted you, He built you, He put you together when He made you a Christian to serve. And we need to understand that. And no Christian is immune from that. That is what we were created for. If you want to know what am I supposed to do, what am I 
for as a Christian, it is to serve to do the good works that God has created us to do. That you, he's prepared in advance, meaning he always knew he wanted us to do these things uh, for, his, for us to walk in them. And that walk in them in Ephesians 2.10, uh, sometimes it means literally, but other times, several times in the New Testament, it's referring to just as you walk through life, as you live life, what he's saying is, I built you, I created you in Christ. You're my workmanship for this reason, to do good works. That's what you're supposed to be doing, to do good works. So God made you to do these good works. Now, in verses 8 through 9, Paul makes it very clear. We're not going to get into all of that, but Paul makes it very clear that our good works are not the reason for our salvation. Our good works have nothing to do with uh, justifying us. They are the fruit of of salvation. They are the because I'm saved, I live this way because God made me. He I'm his workmanship. He made me to do this just like Kaylin made that chair to be sat in. She didn't make that chair to be a workbench. Jacob made the workbench to be the workbench and not the chair. Does that make sense? God made us to do good works. That's what we're supposed to be doing. You say, I want to know what my purpose is in life. There it is right there for you. To do the works God would have us to do. Now, look at Titus 2.14. We think, well, what does that mean God prepared in advance for us? He always had this in mind. Titus 2.14, Paul again writing, says that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem from all, us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, he's talking about the church, Christians, who are what? Zealous for good works. Why are they zealous for good works? Because they understand the salvation that they've been given, uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that they didn't deserve. They understand it was a gift. They were saved by grace, that it was a gift from God. There was nothing they could do to earn it and didn't deserve it. And it's out of thankfulness for that, that, the, that we're zealous to do good works as his workmanship. So why does serving matter? Okay, we see what the Bible says, but why does serving matter? Serving, serving doing good deeds, doing good works, matters because it gets you into spiritual shape. And like anything, when you spend all of your time looking inward, and all you're doing is thinking about me, 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 Mine, mine, mine. You, you don't live a very happy life. But when you get out of yourself and serve others, do things for others, and this church is very active in that, and you're thinking of others, and you're doing the works that God would have you to do in your workplace, in your neighborhood, and, and, and wherever you are, and you look for opportunities for God uh, to use His workmanship for His good works, to work through you to do His good works, then your perspective on life changes, doesn't it? And so it gets you into spiritual shape. In other words, you're not in shape. You're not healthy if you're not doing good works that God created you to do as a Christian. And when you do that, it makes you stronger. It makes you more vibrant, more healthy as a Christian when you do the works that God has called us to do. It gets you into the game. See, there's one thing to sit in the bleachers 
And you know, as parents, what we're doing, go get the ball, just kick it, just throw it, just hit it. It's so easy for us sitting up there. Let us get out there and try to run any bit of length of time and kick that ball or hit that ball or shoot that ball or throw that ball, right? We wouldn't last five seconds. And yet sitting up in the stands, it looks so easy, doesn't it? But when you get on the field, in the game, in the action, that's where God wants you to be. And what does that mean? That means you're actively involved in the works of service God would have you to be doing. You you live a life of doing good works. And then it gets you to make a difference. You remember we talked about wanting to make a difference in our life. At the end of our lives, we wondered, did it matter? Did I make a difference? Did I have any impact on anything at all whatsoever? Well, when you do what God created you to do as a Christian, to do works of service, then absolutely, yes, your life matters. It made a difference. People will feel the impact of you being gone out of their life when you're gone one day. Why? Because you lived as God's workmanship, doing good works. How do you know what to do, though? You know, sometimes you're not sure what you need to be doing. Well, first I would say is to, you, is to always have the attitude of you serve where you're needed. See, you may be asked to help do a thing, and that's not really the thing you would sign up for, but there's a need and you can do that. And, and, and you are available and capable of helping in that area, that ought to be where our heart is. You need me to do that? Okay. It doesn't matter who I am, what I, if, if I can do that, then I need to be doing that. So that needs to be the, the, the disposition of our heart, a willingness to serve where needed. However, we do like to put people ideally in places where they, they really want to be, where they can really thrive and enjoy being. And Matt works very hard to make that happen. So some things you can do is think about, well, what are you passionate about? Where does your heart really enjoy being and doing? What does it enjoy doing? Maybe it's, maybe it's visiting. Maybe it's writing cards. Maybe it's uh, uh, doing technology and running the media. Maybe it's uh, doing all kinds of different things. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's working with children, uh, uh, youth, adults, whatever it might be. You think about, well, where does where's my heart really get excited about and passionate about? And maybe there's an opportunity for you there. What are your abilities? What, what are your skills and abilities? What are your talents? Uh, what are you able to do? See, I can follow Zach when it comes to some of that stuff, you know, all the, 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 the stuff that he does. But real quick, like I, he's, he's way up here because he understands all that. And some of you, you understand all that stuff that he does. And you, you just, it just makes sense for you. And at a certain point, a lot of us are like, okay, I understand the word wires and switches and lights But beyond that, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. But that's just some people's thing and they get it. And that's where we want them to be serving. Where does your personality fit? You see, if your personality is not, you know, fit, best suited for a certain segment, that may not, uh, service, that may not be where you ought to be serving. But maybe your personality is a perfect fit for this area over here, working with children or youth or whatever it might be, visiting in the hospital, people who are in really difficult situations, counseling people who need that kind of help. You may be perfectly suited for that. And also your experiences, your life experience, your training, 
your, your work experience, whatever that might be, things that have happened in your life, your education, whatever that might be, that helps, that, that all contributes to what you bring to the table in your service to God. But let me ask you this question. What is the most important way you could ever serve someone? The most important thing you could ever, ever do, the greatest impact you could ever make on somebody's life. Obviously, it is to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ, to alter their eternity forever, to literally change the trajectory of their eternity by sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ and helping them come to know Christ. And maybe you play a little role in that sometimes. Maybe you play a tremendously big role, depending on what the situation was. But to be a part of that and to know that you helped do that, and then to see somebody come out of the water, and then to live a vibrant life of faith doing good works, that is the greatest work we can be doing. We are saved to serve and to share our faith. And, and sharing our faith is a works that we need to understand we're supposed to be active in doing. It is a definitely a good work. If anything is a good work, definitely sharing the gospel is. Here, here's some thoughts I want to share. I think, I think I'll put them up here. You've never met somebody whose life wouldn't be better with Jesus. You've never looked at somebody in the eyes and that person's life would not be better off with Jesus. Imagine that. And the people that God brings us in contact with. See, we're saved to serve, serve and do good deeds for sure, but Christians are not Christians just to do good deeds. There's a lot of people doing good deeds. We're saved to bring people to Christ, to share the gospel with Him. And nobody's life will ever be impacted for the gospel of Jesus Christ if we don't impact their life with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who what? Bring good news. Their feet are beautiful because they brought you that news of the gospel. So here's some things you can do. Invest and invite. Invest in relationships and opportunities. Maybe the relationship isn't really deep, but you have an opportunity. Maybe the relationship is really deep and, and you're looking for the opportunity to share. But you're investing in opportunities wherever God puts you in situations and in relationships, wherever that might be, you're investing in those opportunities and you're inviting. You look for opportunities to invite them to church, invite them to small groups. That's part of the intent of our small groups is that we are evangelistic fellowship, but also evangelistic by inviting a neighbor, inviting a coworker. So that they kind of get their foot in the door and realize, maybe they have no church background, but they realize, hey, these are normal people. And I know some of these people, and I have things in common with these people. And now maybe they'll show up on a Sunday morning. You see, that's part of what we want to see happen with our small groups. So inviting others is another good work that we need to be active in doing. God gives us new life in Christ so we can bring Him glory as we do the good works He created us to do, which includes sharing our faith in Jesus Christ, bringing others to Christ. That's who we are and what we do. If you want to know what it means 
your identity in Christ is, it is this, to do the works that God has called us to do, to be His workmanship, what He crafted and to do His works, to serve and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. Maybe you have not been doing that and you want opportunities and prayer to help you be more active in doing good works. Maybe you're saying, you know what, I, I, I hadn't even gotten in the game yet. I want to get off the bleachers and on the field and be in Christ active in doing good works and sharing my faith. I need to be in Christ first. And we've looked at how to do that. And you're ready to put on Christ in baptism this morning. Or maybe you need to study. You need to talk to somebody. You need prayers about that. We want you to know we're here for you. Whatever way we can serve you, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.